nothing feels worse than saying like, I think I want to try this. And they're like, well, what is that? And you're like, I don't know. Like, don't know. It, it, <laughs> you're like I have no idea. And they're like, cool. I feel so safe. Welcome to another episode of Finding Mr. Hyde, the podcast. I'm Allie, back with my co-host, Erica. Erica, hello and happy Sunday. Hello. Happy Sunday. How are we feeling? I am very tired. <laughs> um, I, I arrived home early this morning from the wedding that I was at in Park City, Utah. I took a Saturday night red eye, got back early, early this morning. The flights were like insanity to come back during the day. Mm-hmm. And all the the wedding was on Friday, and all the like, so the festivities were over by late Saturday night. Everybody was asleep by the time I left. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's kind of nice, though. Um, yeah, it was really nice to like get home on Sunday, have today, mm-hmm. cuddle with the cats. Rory's still recovering from surgery. We did find out what it is that he has. Oh, you did. What yeah, was it is. It's called cryptococcus. It is a okay. fungus. Non-transmissible unless you're like really severely immunocompromised. Mm -hmm. So like not dangerous for me or for Logan. But it's carried in pigeon poop. Oh. And so it probably – he doesn't go outside. Occasionally a couple times he's been on my balcony. But it he probably got it from like a shoe that I tracked in. Ooh. Damn. Yeah. But it's – but like everything's fine now. Well, he has to go on antifungals for the next three to four months. Okay. But in terms of like cancerous long-term yes. damage, like yeah. we're good. In theory, assuming the antifungals work, um, there's like a little bit of um, danger to his liver because the antifungals can really affect liver function. So I have to take him in once a month for the next however long he's on it to make sure his liver's still cool. Okay. All right. Um, but – not life-threatening, assuming that, like, nothing funky happens. Yeah. That's got to be an interesting call to get. They're like, good news, pigeon poop. You're like, yeah. excuse yeah. me? I'm like, <laughs> what? And then my first question, because Cindy was staying here with them, because I was in Utah when I got this call. Cindy was staying here. Her mm-hmm. cat was over for a bit. My first question was like, oh, no. Like, is this contagious? Oh, yeah. Like, you know, and she was like, well, you're – she said, in theory, it is – but your other cat hasn't gotten it, mm. and therefore, like the there's like different varieties that can be transmitted. Whatever, and his is what they call subcutaneous, meaning it's under the skin. So, like, she's like, Logan didn't get it. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's fine it. unless there's somebody in your life who's severely immunocompromised. Then, like, you shouldn't have them come over. Cindy's yeah. not so, like it's fine. But like that was my first panic. Was like, oh god, like I just have Cindy and her cat staying with them, and you know. But mm. everything's fine. But everything's okay. All right. Well, shout out to Rory. Yeah. Hopefully it's Thank a you. smooth recovery. Yes. Hope so. Hopefully he forgives me. So I've talked a little bit on the pod about how I've been trying to extend my damp January into into future months. And I have really been enjoying recess mocktails as a way to have what feels like a fancy drink at home, but without the alcohol. Yeah. And also, it's nice to have something in your fridge that just has a little bit of flavor. Totally. And they're they're delicious. They're made with real fruit, sweetened with agave, and again, 0% alcohol. So just a nice nice little flavorful drink that is a little, little play on our favorites here. They got a bunch of great flavors. My personal favorite is the recess watermelon mojito. I actually like to garnish it like it's a actual cocktail. Like I put it in a coupe glass, feel it all fancy, garnish it with a little sprig of mint. It is delicious. 
And my favorite is the Recess Ginger Lime Mule. I'm a ginger gal. And what I love also, not too sweet. Perfect amount of just a little little sweet treat. They're absolutely delicious. And you can get 15% off Recess Mocktails now at takearecess.com slash FMH. So you can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences. But um, so that's, yeah, that's, that's that update. Um, and I had the wedding, which was so fun. I mean, it looked amazing. It actually made me, I'm going to Vegas in end of April again to work the uh, Comedy Cellar. And there's a handful of flights that have layover in Salt Lake City. Hell yeah, do and it. And your like stories and stuff made me be like, you know, I've never been, would I like just like a day and a night by myself just like soaking in Salt Lake City? Like sure. just a little like mini vacation by myself to, you know, I was, I was looking at flights. I was debating it. I was like, it looks so beautiful. Yeah. If and you I've do, I highly been. recommend Park City is pretty close. That's where the wedding was, was in Park oh, City. Okay, Park City. And it it is well, by April it probably won't be as expensive because that's after ski season. Right, exactly. Yeah. But it was so stunningly beautiful. Mm-hmm. We also got really lucky. So there was a huge snowstorm, like the most snow that Park City's gotten in a short period of time in like 30 years. Oh. But it was before, like the day before we got there. Okay. So we got there and it was beautifully sunny and covered in snow. Oh, nice. Incredible. Yeah, it looked incredible. Like everywhere you turned was just like the most stunning view. The pictures I'm sure are going to be amazing. I mean, the pictures that we took on our phones are amazing. So I can only imagine mm-hmm. the professional photography. Um, it, it just was great. And like it was a lot of people that I don't see very often. Like I've I've known my friend Christine is the one who got married. I've known her since we were – 18 19 Mm. no 18 but then I moved across the country she's from San Diego and so I know all of her friends because I've known her for so long but I don't get to see them very often so it was just like almost a reunion of like all these people that I you know I've known for a long time but don't get to see all that often that sounds nice I also feel like hot spot right now for weddings I feel like I've known so many people now to get married in Utah yeah it was just like a winter wonderland kind of vibe that Mm -hmm. was just it it was just beautiful also made me want to start skiing again I haven't skied in over 15 years I used to ski a lot though I used to be pretty good I used to go with my dad a bunch dude same but sports made it like if I get hurt skiing I can't play my sports and so I kind of just stopped yeah that makes sense yeah I stopped because I didn't like being cold um and I like a true Californian (laughs) yeah I still don't like being cold but it was great being in the atmosphere and like some people yeah. in the wedding or and that went to the wedding did ski I did not but it was just great and let me tell you the mountain men are hot I mean I'm sure they're real I'm hot. sure yeah I noticed that anytime I leave the city I was in Michigan and I was like how's this the tallest state I've ever been to what the hell's <laughs> going on I was like everyone is everyone Polish and they were like yes <laughs> yeah well, sc- and I was like, I was kidding, but sure. Yeah, There's a literally. Ton of Scandinavians up in that area. Yeah, literally, dude. Don't sleep on the Midwest. Yeah, seriously. But uh, so that was that was just kind of funny because I felt like every place we walked in, I was like, why are there so many attractive men here? Right, right. But you know, I don't really want to live there. But also, nobody that I was seeing actually lives there. True. Like it's all it tourists. is. A, it is a common tourist town, but. Yeah, like every single person that I was encountering was also a tourist. Um, but yeah, very fun. No single people at the wedding. So it was not it was not a meeting people Bummer. type of event. Mm-hmm. But it was great. I did kind of 
I we talked about it on the Patreon, so I'll, I'll skip over it here. But if you if you are a patron, you've heard about my like vacation energy attempts of trying mm-hmm. to meet people in real life, and I am again trying to channel that in New York. Um, I'm going to an event tomorrow night uh, with Rent the Runway that I'm really excited about, and I have made it a goal to make connections at that event, be they like romantic or otherwise, but like exchange numbers with people that I could maybe hang out with at a later date. Yeah. It's worth it. It's um it's actually a piece of uh Mashmaker Maria advice I really like is she's like, you know, even things you go to or something you try that's different and you're meeting, you know, the gender that you don't date or the say the sexual orientation you don't date, it goes, well, you never know who you'll meet through those people. And I've been trying to have more of that mentality in general totally. in life. It's like don't yeah, walk in and- somewhere and be bummed there's no single man. It's like, hey, there's a bunch of great gals here, though. And if they're taken, almost better. Because the minute they make a good guy, they might think of me. <laughs> yeah, they're going to think of me. Like, I want to be your only single friend, actually. I want to be yeah. the only person you know that's single. So that if you meet a, a great single man, I'm the only available option. <laughs> Truly, right? I mean, I tried to somewhat set you up vaguely the other day. Oh, my God. Yes. I and forgot th- to mention. <laughs> yeah. So this was great. So and I'll... Yeah, I guess I don't even actually remember his name. So I was about to say, I'll keep it anonymous. But I was like, I don't even remember this man's name, so it's fine. Yeah, basically, um, we used the studio to record our episode with Lindsay last week. And uh, I was it's a studio I use for my other podcast. And I was there, and there were these two guys recording after me. And I was like, when the guy walked in, I immediately was like, oh, I think Allie would like him. Like, I never thought of it till I just saw him in person. Yeah, because you, you know like, him, right? Okay. Like from you've yeah, like met him before. Yeah, I know him. He's he's in my circle. I don't know him super well, but just well enough. I'm like, I know he went to a really good school. I know he's very smart. I like he's very very nice. Never heard a bad word about him, right? So I was like, oh, and then I go, perfect. Of Allie's about to come in here right after this dude. Mm-hmm. So I was like, it's the perfect just a brief little exchange. So I just sent you a text like, uh, there is a man here you might be interested in. I loved it. You're going to meet him for three seconds. My favorite part was that the next thing you said was, he's a comedian, but. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, look, it's not saying all comedians are terrible, but it's like, I understand it might not be the most appealing thing in general, but. uh. So, yeah, and I showed up and you were absolutely right. I was interested (laughs) and also absolutely right that we did meet for not even three minutes. I mean, we probably. Uh. 50 seconds yeah 10 seconds i was like oh by the way my friend Allie." (laughs) yeah real quick handshake they had run over in their recording and Mm -hmm. we had been waiting so we were like we had to just you know move it along but now we've met so if there happens to be some sort of event that you think he might be at right easy oh that's a really easy like yeah like oh we met da 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 Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I also what it which intrigued me was I was talking to him before they recorded, because uh, his co-host was late, <laughs> and uh, and he was saying how he's been off dating apps for like eight weeks. Oh, and he was like, ah, I'm like, he goes, I'm just like itching to go on a date though. He was like, I weirdly just got in the habit of like going on dates, and that's what made me be like, oh Sorry? shit. Oh shit, don't download. No need to download. No need <laughs> you don't to download. Need, you don't need a dating app. Hello, have- hi. My name is Erica. I'm Mrs. Hinge. <laughs> <laughs> I have a, uh, a, what is the, a suitor's the wrong word. What's the, what's the potential suitor? version of suitor? I oh. feel like suitorism is like bachelorette. Gendered. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I have like a, yeah, I have a potential well, it's just, about to walk in. That's the thing of like, ugh, I mean, 
it's any any man of mine I, uh, any man of mine jesus christ any <laughs> any like good dude i know if he wanted to be set up with people i'm like i know plenty of nice women i would set you up with you know what i mean like it's more yeah. just finding the guy that you would set up with your friends yeah more so than well, like you know plethora of next people. time next time you see that man if you feel like saying hey i know you said you were looking to go on a date Oh, I mean, I'll fly it out. Just be like, like "Oh, you met my friend Allie. What'd you think? Do you think she's cute?" Like, I'll just throw it out there like that. I love it. You know, just like, "Oh, she said you were cute. What do you think?" Yes, that's I, it. Because I do. Yeah, right. He is very cute. Yeah. He is very attractive. He is really cute. He is yeah. really cute. So, um, so yeah, that you know, could be a potential. But uh, other than that, I mentioned last week that I was talking to that guy on Tinder, Tinder oh, yeah. man, and he. So I was out of town, obviously, and then I think I had said the last time that like I'm I wasn't free this past weekend, nor am I free this upcoming weekend, and he mm-hmm. wasn't free on the weeknights in between. Yeah, and so we were kind of trying to figure it out. He, so we're still uh, we couldn't figure it out for this week, but he did text me while I was at the wedding and said like, "Hope you're having fun in Utah. Like I'm looking forward to coordinating that date when you're back." Okay, great, great sign. Yeah communicative okay we love a check-in love a check-in that's great look at that tinder don't knock it don't knock it till you try it so yeah maybe i will be going out with uh tinder man probably that should be his nickname (laughs) and but that's that's really it i did have an influx of bumble matches um from a a flurry of swiping that i did over the weekend so Mm -hmm. i'm going through them starting some conversations and seeing what comes of that yeah I really, unfortunately, don't have any dates on the horizon. <laughs> I, uh, I've been trying, um, but uh, I am I am very likely to shoot my shot in person. I, I'll give a very, very brief synopsis of I did that in person. The Patreon already heard about it, but uh, just was at a birthday party. Saw a guy that was cute. Got his number. Love. We're texting. I, would, I was texting this man in Spanish. The Patreon's already heard. Okay, nice. I was being real hot and sexy. Okay, got my J Lo on. I did everything, <laughs> everything I could. No, no, not that hard. Just like a fun flirty. I was like, oh, I speak yeah. enough. I speak enough for this. Um, but then upon making the plans, just dropped off the face of the earth, and you're like, okay, well, so fucking frustrating. And it's hilarious. Of like, feminine energy came up in the episode with Lindsay we just did. Mm-hmm. Um. And I didn't think of it then, but I thought of it when this happened of this man, like basically just, you know, flaking. I was yeah. like, man, I, I really am kind of in my feminine energy just when I'm too exhausted and tired to care <laughs> that it's like, it makes me be like, look, I'll make a little move. I'll have a little flirt here. I'll, you know, give a guy my number. But like when it comes to like the work and the effort, I'm like, I just don't have the energy. dude. I'm like, that's one of the reasons that I didn't date much at the end of last year is because I was realizing that I just didn't have the time and the energy for it. And then that was leading to me not dating the way that I wanted to. Right. Mm-hmm. So then I was like, I probably shouldn't really be dating right now because I'm not, this isn't feeling authentic to me where yeah. I'm like, I'm, you know, not meeting people halfway or like whatever it is. So I was like, eh, maybe I need to, you know, pump the brakes. Right. But it's just funny of like, we'll have like a, something in the discord or someone comments on something. They're like, what happened to so-and-so? And I'm like, I didn't even think to care and remember like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like it's, but it's kind of a beautiful thing where I'm like, I've been in general less frustrated with dating, even though I have less going on. 
I'm like well, truly that's good, in zen to feel less mode. frustrated. Right. Yeah. Like I'm just like, oh yeah. Cause I'm like, well, if I don't have a date, I got plenty of other stuff to do, plenty of other stuff to work on. Like it's kind of nice. It's kind of like a perfect little balance I feel in right now that like would love to date someone. If I go on a date, I have a great time. Would love to go on another one, but I'm like, yeah. If that guy doesn't text me back, oh well. You know? Yeah. Feed him to the birds or whatever that saying all. is. Feed what is that saying? What's the saying? <laughs> I don't know. What what saying you Throw him to the for? birds? I feel like it's something. Throw I don't know. To the wolves? <laughs> that is a saying, but I don't think that's what you meant. <laughs> that's not what I meant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Throw him to the That's, I mean. Ah, throw him to the wolves. He didn't text me back. <laughs> Why not? There's some saying. Someone knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, just what? I don't know. With the wind? Fly in the wind? Breeze? Fly I'm, I'm the, easy breezy. Fly in the wind. Fly in the wind? Yeah. Um, he's just, breezy. Uh, he's a candle in the wind? I don't know. That's Elton John. Oh, I have God. no idea. Now we're really off the rails. Yeah, I don't know. Sorry. Been a long day. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm oddly zen though. I'm like, oh, this is actually the most it. zen I think I've been about dating in a minute. So, feeling all right. That's great. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm. Uh, I I also wish on the listener. The listeners. I know the listeners wish that there were more dating updates, and we do too. We do too. And we do too. Um, but as we said last week, I think that like this is this is real. You know, this is like. The frustrations, the slumps, like, you know, I know you're feeling zen about it. I am not quite as zen at the moment. Um, but I All think, right. you know, there are I I have I feel like on my end, I am feeling less frustrated than I was last week. Okay. Because I do think I've gotten some like promising results from some of the like shifts I've been making. So like feeling more vacation energy when I'm out. Mm-hmm. And that felt really good. So I'm like, okay, maybe I can channel more of that when I'm back in New York. Like, I can do that. That feels achievable. Or, you know, getting more matches on Bumble because I'm putting effort into it. Like, okay, I can get those conversations started. So uh, I'm hopeful that we'll that I'll have, you know, something to talk about next week. We'll see. Yes. And also, we've been getting great guests. Oh, my like gosh. Guest today's today. guest. So we did the interview already. So we can already say that this interview is incredible. So great. I love Rachel so much. She's so interesting to talk to. It was, and I know, I know that like, you know, you've talked to her before. So like you kind of like knew what to expect in a sense. I I listened to conversations with her as we were kind of looking at her for our guests, but like, I still was blown away. Mm-hmm. It's so, her name is Rachel Wright. Um, she is a therapist, but she is also personally polyamorous mm-hmm. and or non-monogamous. I'm not sure uh yes non-monogamous both yeah they technically yeah. It's, it's technically both the the yeah, big umbrella both. term is non-monogamous, non-monogamous. So, yeah. she is also polyamorous mm-hmm. um and so she is able to speak about those subjects both from a personal and a professional lens because she you know practices also you know in that space it was just so eye-opening also i think really approachable for people that yes. are coming from a monogamous lens and don't have a whole lot of context. Yeah, because, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I've been someone that had somebody talking about polyamory in front of, and as a monogamous person, I've been like, oh, this sounds crazy, or this sounds like, how could anybody do this, or whatever. 
Well, Rachel is someone like when she talks about it, I feel like I really actually understand it. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I see how this works. And I and it doesn't feel like, quote, weird or crazy to me. Like, I'm not saying it is, but it's it's hard because a lot of times the only info we have on it is like inaccurate or TV and movies and things like right, that. Sensationalized and all that stuff. Yeah. So I'm super excited for the listeners to hear. And we said this when we were talking to her, but there's so much that we didn't even get to. Mm-hmm. And I think she would be an incredible guest to have on again. Other guests in the space. Also, you know, we've gotten some great suggestions. But if you listen to the episode and you have, you know, other experts in the space that you think would be amazing, or if you have a story time of your own that you want to submit, please do. Find it slash podcast. We'd love to hear from you. And let's get to Rachel. Yes, let's do it. Listen up, guys. If you haven't heard yet, we're coming to the DC Comedy Loft for another live podcast Thursday, March 21st. Get your tickets. We are, I think, over halfway sold out already. Well over halfway sold out. So get your tickets. If you want to come experience some magic live, we want to meet you. We want to talk to you. We're going to have so much fun. And it's also Allie's birthday that week. It is my birthday that week. So, and my mom might be there. I'm excited. You can go to findingmrheight.com slash live to find an easy link also in our bios to get those tickets. And we are going to have an after party afterwards where we can really meet and greet, talk to everybody somewhere in the area. Yeah. So make sure you come DC Comedy Loft Thursday, March 21st. And if you want to check out some stand up, I'm going to be there all weekend. So Friday and that Saturday, I'll be doing stand up shows. Start swiping on Hinge, bring a date, have a good time. And You'll, you can come and meet Allie's mom, which we still have some spots left on our Portugal trip. And a little update on that. A few of you reached out to us about, hey, I want to come either, unfortunately, I don't have my mom anymore, or I want to come with my aunt. I want to come with my sister. I just want to come with a friend. The trip is officially open to anybody that would like to come, as long as you don't mind. Half the trip being moms and daughter combos. Everybody's excited to come. Doesn't matter. You are welcome to join. Travel with us. It's going to be so, so fun. You can also check that out at findingmrheight.com slash podcast. If you have any questions about it, feel free to reach out. We're happy to answer anything. We're just so excited to be there with our moms and with you. Yep. Next October, October 4th through 10th. Check it out. Come travel with us too. And we are back with Rachel. Hi, Rachel. Welcome to Finding Mr. Height, the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have Rachel. Uh, it's a not traditional episode, I guess you could say, of the pod. Uh, we typically, you know, Allie and I are both monogamous people, so we speak from a lens of monogamy. But uh, we have a Discord. We have non-monogamous people there. We've gotten requests for this topic, so we're so, so excited to have you on. Oh, I'm thrilled. And, you know, it's like it's one of those things that we can all monogamous people think that they don't have a lot in common with non-monogamous people and sometimes vice versa. And the lessons that can be learned from understanding both relationship modalities is so powerful. So like anyone who's listening who is monogamous, I want to just like encourage you to listen with an open mind of like, what can I take? Not like, what don't I agree with? Right? Like you can like leave what doesn't resonate, but like take what, take what you can. Yeah, yeah, it's I've, not a pitch either way. A, yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> we're not trying to convert anyone. <laughs> no, we're not That's at all. Proselytizing today, <laughs> and I find it fascinating think, personally. You know, that's what I think I, is like a misconception when people see like yep. it, honestly any topic of something that they don't personally resonate with is like yep. 
oh, if I don't subscribe to this particular ideology or this particular, you know, lifestyle or like whatever the topic is, skip the episode, not going to be for me. But there's so many valuable things I think that can come from all of these conversations. Oh, yeah. I mean, one of the one of the first things whenever I tell a new person that I don't know that I'm non-monogamous, they're like, typically this person is monogamous and they say like, oh, don't you get jealous? And I look them like dead in the eye and I'm like, don't you? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, when did jealousy become exclusive to non-monogamy? Like, I was actually more jealous when I was in monogamous relationships than now because I've actually had to learn how to fucking cope with jealousy and like what it Mm. is. And I didn't know how to do that before. So, yeah, anyway, just one example of like, it's the human experience. <laughs> yeah. Hilarious That's- if we just talked about that last episode of like yeah? your partner getting hit on by someone else is is like a hot thing. And it turns a lot of people on, even though they're monogamous people. Like Weird, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's like jealousy can weirdly be a little hot sometimes, you know? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's a, a nice segue into, Rachel, tell us a little bit more about, you know, your experience in the space and why, you know, why you're here having this conversation with us. Oh, man. Well, so I'm in the space both personally and professionally. Um, I'm a therapist, and my focus has been for, since the beginning, uh, sex and relationships. And so all of my, like, elective-type classes that I took in my master's program and continuing education were always around sex and relationships. Um, But from a personal perspective, if you you look back, when I look back at my diary from, like, eighth, ninth grade, I am writing about being non-monogamous in like by orientation without using those words because I didn't have that language. But I would write things like, and I have pictures of this. I can even send to you guys to post. Um, I have like literally in my cute little eighth grade, ninth grade writing, like I'm with my boyfriend, but I really want to make out with this other guy, but I don't want to break up with my boyfriend. And I don't understand. I don't want to date that other guy. I just want to like make out with him to see what it's like and then just still be with my boyfriend. Like, I don't understand. Maybe I'm not supposed to be in a relationship. And it's like I'm grappling with this at like 13, 14 years old. And I just have so much compassion for this young girl who was like torn and didn't understand that like some people are wired this way. And so when I look back, it's very, very, very clear. You know, I was a serial monogamist. It was like, oh, I'm done with this person. I'm interested in this person. Got to break up because I don't want to be a slut. You know, like all of these (laughs) ideas that we have. And now I'm like, I want to be a slut. That sounds great. I love sex. (laughs) I love pleasure. Like I'm going to own that word. But before that was like a very derogatory thing that like, you know, people would talk about it. So personally and professionally, I am deep in the non-monogamous space. Um, I live with my two primary partners. We are starting to family plan. um, And we all date uh, different ways of dating. Some are more romance-focused. Some are more sex-focused. Some are just like casual dating in general. Um, But we all date outside of our like little nuclear family at home too. So you first had the urge, I guess, to be non-monogamous when you were very young. Yes. And so how long in your adult life have you actually been practicing non-monogamy? So I learned what it was in my master's program. It took going to grad school 
to learn what non-monogamy was. Um, we had a whole class on like different relationship designs and setups. And I remember sitting there like, oh, oh, oh my, oh my God. And it was very shortly after that that I met my now ex-husband, which is really weird to say, um, my now ex-husband, Kyle. And on our very first date, I was like, look, I want to date you. I just learned this term non-monogamy. And like, have you heard I, of this thing? Yeah. And, <laughs> and he was like, oh my God, like, yes, I also, I want that too. And we both kind of had this like, okay, well, let's build our relationship first, which is a very mononormative way of thinking. Right now, looking back, I'm like, okay. But we did. We built yeah. our relationship monogamously and had conversations constantly, like, constantly checking in. Do you want to open up now? Do you want to open up now? Are you feeling the urge to open up now? And finally, in 2018, um, we pulled the trigger and opened up. So I have been, and we like dove in when we did it. So I have been very actively non-monogamous since I was 18 or to, since 2018. It sounds like when you were in high school or, you know, whenever you were first in eighth grade, ninth grade writing in the journal that you were like, grappling with the fact that the only definition of a relationship that had been taught to you was a monogamous one. And then yes. it was like either or. It, yes. It, like either you were going to be in a monogamous relationship or relationships were not for you. And that that was what I thought were my options. It was like and, – and the word commitment, like a committed relationship became synonymous with monogamy, yeah. which is – wild because we are all in many committed relationships, right? Like I'm in a committed relationship with my best friend. I'm in a committed relationship with my brother, but we hear commitment and we're like monogamous sex romance partner. And like, that's not <laughs> what it means. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I definitely, it was like, I either am in these monogamous relationships or I'm going to be single the rest of my life. And then how will I have kids? How will I do all these other things that I also want. And that was very confusing for me as a young person. Yeah. I've actually never thought about that commitment thing until this moment <laughs> where, where I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. When I, <laughs> if somebody said, what is a committed relationship? I would absolutely say, I don't know. I don't know if I would use the word monogamous, but I would probably say like uh, a long-term relationship, like romantic relationship. I would absolutely use those terms, but you're so right that because you can be committed to like a million different things. Yeah, right. parenthood's we, a commitment. We, yeah. Exactly. We're yeah. committed to our children. We're committed to our cousin. We're committed to our niece and nephew. Like there are tons of people in our life. And I, I don't know when along the lines that language became so intertwined, but it definitely has. And it sucks. It sucks. And like we don't get any examples in media, right? All the rom-coms we see, all of the TV shows, it's like monogamy is the ultimate goal. And so people think that if they're not doing monogamy, they're not doing it right. And there's nothing wrong with monogamy at all. It's wonderful. And some people are very much wired and oriented for it. And then some people aren't. And I think what's so important is to understand what both things can look like and actually make an educated choice based on what you want, how you're wired, all of those things, instead of just falling into monogamy because that's just what is. Because that's not true. That isn't just what is. 
No. I was going to say, like, the only example I think people see of non-monogamy is, like, sister wives. I was just about to say that. Yeah, which isn't a two-way street non-monogamy. It's a one-way street non-monogamy. And then also marriage. So it's, like, still weirdly monogamous at the same time. Like, The Bachelor and Bachelorette are actually the examples of non-monogamy of, like, look, they're dating (laughs) 20 people at the same time. You know what I mean? Like, that's actually a weirdly more accurate example. I say this all the the time. the end is still, you know, marriage or whatever. But yes. All the, so I love I love the Bachelor franchise and I consistently will say this is tossing people into non-monogamy but with monogamy being the prize at the end yeah. like it's so weird and they go like you watch the the people the contestants cope with oh my god the person I like is going out with this person and like I have to watch them kiss and I and they learn how to cope with these emotions and then at the end they're like and now I'm monogamous. <laughs> right. Yeah. And the fantasy suite, I, it's like cats out of the bag now that they're all having sex in the fantasy suite. So they're yep. also having sex with multiple people. And it's yep. like, oh, weird that still at the end, it's like, okay, then who gets the ring? <laughs> like, and who shuts <laughs> it all down? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, I'm waiting that for that just... one. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I'm, d- I'm waiting for the one bachelor bachelorette to be like, actually, um, both of you can, can I can I have can I pick both of you like I'm yeah. waiting for that to happen one time and then be like well I mean we've developed these skills over the past six weeks like let's try it this feels fine yeah or we could argue that's why none of these relationships work out is because all these people are getting a taste of non-monogamy and they're like I mean I'm famous now I could just continue doing this you know uh, like, yeah this is this totally. a little tempting this could be forever for me a little tempting totally the wedding that I was just in was in Utah. And when I was telling people, I was like, the reason that I'm taking this red eye is because we have recordings on Sunday. And I, they asked what the topic was. And I told them. And the first thing they said was, oh, well, you're in Utah. Like, perfect thing because of the sister wives connotation yeah. that yeah. non-monogamy has. And that's just like such a good example. And I was just like, didn't even get into it in that <laughs> in the. Like I don't have the energy to talk to you about why yeah. that framework is not is not good, but that just goes to show that that is the most prominent example that yeah. we have, and the and the long like the most enduring like that's the one that kind of came up into the media first, even though now there are more examples. Totally, totally, and even I mean, if you search non monogamy in Google now you will find so many more actual informative articles than five years ago. And then five years before that, like it has really, really become more of a topic of conversation in the same way that like people assumed for many years that everyone was heterosexual. Mm -hmm. Right. And then all of a sudden we're like, Oh, not everyone is. Oh, okay. Like that, that it's like that to me is what's happening with non-monogamy right now. We're having this awareness of like, not everyone is cisgender, heterosexual and monogamous. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, when you were talking about like, that was just the default for you. The thing that popped into my head was having kids Mm -hmm. where in society that's especially for women. Mm-hmm. The default ha- seems to be you want kids yep. and you have to explain why you don't. Yes. Yes. Exactly. It's and the that's, same. That's something that I grapple with because I don't know if I do and I kind of lean towards not. But nobody, if you say you do want kids, nobody is like, well, why? <laughs> and similarly, if you say I'm monogamous, nobody would be like, really? Tell why? me why. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. Whatever our cultural norm is, people don't question. And then the second you say something that's outside the norm, like if it's listed in the song La Vie Boheme and Rent, people are like, huh? (laughs) (laughs) That's a great reference. And you're like, that shit came out in the 90s. Like, just listen to it. There, People have been going outside of the norm of society since the beginning of time. And frankly, a lot of people are secretly non-monogamous. Like the amount of people that I meet on dating apps that are like, we're not monogamous. My partner knows like we're, we're in the know, but nobody in our life knows. And it makes me so sad because most of it comes from fear or shame, fear that they'll be judged, fear that they could lose their job, fear that they'll, you know, so many different things. And then shame around like not feeling confident enough in that orientation or in that choice to say like, this is me and this is what I want. Mm -hmm. And it just, it makes me so sad. I want to like hug everyone and just like help release (laughs) that shame because there is no shame. And again, it like truly runs parallel to being queer, right? Like 50 years ago, there was so much shame and fear in coming out. Mm -hmm. And now in, in some areas, it's still that way you know, we're in New York here. It's a bit better. And like, it's, it's pretty normalized to be like, Oh, by the way, I like all genders and people are like, Oh, okay, whatever. Yeah. You know? And like, hopefully we'll get to that point with, um, with gender, frankly, and also relationship orientation or design. Definitely. Um, I do want to bring up our poll because I think it actually relates perfectly to this conversation. Okay. So we asked our listeners, what do you think hurts more, physical cheating or emotional cheating? Now, Rachel, you're our guest. What do you think the percent split is on this? <sighs> hurts more. Oh, fuck. Um, I want to say like 70-30 emotional. Damn, she nailed mine. Mine's 69-31. Mine's, yeah, mine's 72-28. Yes. You crushed it. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah. And Whew. I mean, emotional cheating took took the win. And, yeah. and a majority of our listeners are also women. So that might be a little bit why. Uh, but it's so interesting. Of, we always ask everyone why. And I feel like a lot of these answers I've gotten are indirectly like talking about non-monogamy, if that makes sense. Interesting. How so? The most per- The most pervasive answer for me of people explaining why they chose emotional cheating is because of the assumed intent behind it. Mm. So most of the people that wrote in and said, or not most, but the the most common explanation for why they thought emotional cheating hurt more is because they said, well, that's definitely something that's built over time. It was certainly, emotional cheating is certainly not a one-time thing. Mm-hmm. And it's something that feels more intentional. It feels like somebody set out to build connection with someone else. So I have a very interesting take on emotional cheating, um, which is it's really not defined. Like there's no universal definition of emotional cheating. And because of that, okay, so let's say someone is heterosexual. And they're in a a relationship, like a man and a woman are in a heterosexual monogamous relationship. And the man starts confiding and building a relationship with another man. 
because that man is heterosexual, that's not considered emotional cheating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why? Why? Yeah. Right. Because and there's so no then, attempt, I guess. It, right. And then, so what the like temptation for what? The physical thing, which people are saying is less hurtful. Like it doesn't, when you start to unpack it, it's like, wait, 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 wait. You talk to your friends all the time about your relationship, about your stuff. Just because you don't want to have sex with them doesn't mean that you're not building emotional connections. And why is that cheating? Like what agreements were made that are being broken by talking to someone else about your life experience? Like that doesn't even, it it just, it like doesn't make sense. Yeah, I've grappled with this a lot. I I play sports and I play a lot of co-ed sports. And so I have a lot of very close guy friends. Mm. And one in particular is we're really close. And I've had partners in the past that don't understand that. And I remember one partner one time said to me like, you think really highly of that guy. Like, I yes, he's my close friend. (laughs) You're like, I would hope so. I would hope so. Like, do you not think highly of your close friends? And he like didn't really have an answer for that, obviously, because yep, what he said was dumb. Right. But, <laughs> I was gonna say he was like, Well, you you just you talk about him all the time. I'm like, I don't think I talk about in fact I'm pretty sure I talk about like my best girlfriend way more. It just doesn't pique your interest when I yep. mention her name. Yep. But what if you were bisexual? Would it then? Yeah, then probably, yeah. Be- and there you go. Right? Mm-hmm. So then like what, you're not supposed to have any relationships outside of your relationship if you're bisexual? Like Erica and I talked about this uh, once before, which is like cheating and monogamy implies just simply there's these like untalked about agreements. Like we don't sleep with other people. We don't emotionally, I don't even know what emotional cheating definition would be for people but like we don't have I don't know whatever it is and really what cheating is is breaking an agreement that you have in your relationship and so if you can sit down and say hey I feel betrayed if and when you talk to anyone else in your life about challenges in our sex life Mm. I feel really uncomfortable with that would you be open to agreeing to really only talking about that with like your best friend and your therapist. And if you say then, yes, I totally agree to that. I want that too. And then you go and talk to Joe at work about your sex life problems. Then you can say, okay, they broke the agreement. They, they literally emotionally cheated. But if right. that's not an explicit conversation, then like you're talking to people in your life about your life. And that has nothing to do with your relationship. I also think that people probably have less objective definitions of physical cheating than they think they do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That not everybody think, not everybody defines it the same way, but I think people think everybody defines it the same way, whatever way they define it. Right. Yeah. 100% agree. That's why this poll brings up non-monogamy to me anyway, is because it makes everyone suddenly be like, what does cheating mean to me? And in non-monogamous relationships, that's what essentially is discussed, is what counts as cheating to us, what is the agreement between us, and what are our boundaries. And a lot of times the emotional cheating, a lot of times we don't call it that, but there'll be things that happen 
that then in monogamous relationships we're like, hey, I don't want you to do that. That is a line for me. But we don't find that out like until it's crossed. Whereas physical yes. is just more clear across the board in monogamy. So yep. one thing you keep bringing up, right, is agreements and it's agreements versus rules. So can you explain to the yeah. listeners, like, what is the difference between agreements and rules uh, in relationships, totally. but specifically non-monogamy? Yeah. So rules are set for us, right? Like the law is a rule. It is set. We don't like get to contribute or vote. It's set. It's like a speed limit is a rule. Um, if our partner says, um, you cannot hang out with your friend past 10 p.m., that would be someone setting a rule for you, right? Like curfew as a kid is a rule. Our parents set rules for us. So they're above us. It's like agreement, a one-way thing? Yes, it's a one-way thing. Okay. An agreement is something between you that both of you have come to say, yes, handshake, <laughs> we agree on this. This is what we're going to do moving forward. And agreements are fluid. So at the very beginning, let's say you've been in a monogamous relationship for like 10 years and you're like, we're going to try non-monogamy. At the very beginning, your agreements may be like, you can't go to our favorite bagel shop with anyone else. Um, I agree to not see movies with people. Um, I won't watch Star Trek with pe like wh whatever the case may be. And like three months in, you're like, these agreements are uh, we don't. We don't need these. I don't really care if you go to Modern Bread and Bagel with Joe. You know, like I, mm -hmm. it's a bagel place and you start to adjust and sometimes they go in different directions, but it's this fluid, active conversation around what agreements you have together. And it makes, in all of my experience as a couples therapist, it makes relationships last longer and be happier and healthier. And I do this with monogamous couples too, and they don't realize how much they assume. We assume so many things like, oh, well, we said that we're exclusive now, meaning we're monogamous. So that must mean A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And like, if we're not specifically stating A, B, C, D, E, F, G and being like, do you also agree? Duh. You know, like we're going to we're going to wind up being like, uh, you said we were exclusive and the other person's going to be like, yeah, I know. We did. That, yeah, we did. I didn't do anything that went against that. And you're like, how could you? There's so many assumptions. And so whenever we're in the norm, the norm, quote unquote, of society, there's less discussion. There's less conversation and there's more assumption of this is what a monogamous relationship looks like. And because non-monogamy is not the norm, you're forced to have these conversations of like, what is cheating for us? What does this mean? What is this relationship? Are we on an escalator? Um, is there a cap to this relationship? Is there a ceiling? Right? Like for me, I don't want another primary partner, but I'm dating but I'm dating mm -hmm. to date. I'm not dating to like find another life partner to share a bank account and have a baby with. I'm dating and like there's a cap to that. There, there's only so far up the escalator that we can go. And the relationship escalator for anybody who is not familiar with it is this yeah, idea that, that you like. Me, hi. <laughs> you get on at the bottom, right? You meet and then the next step is you go out on a date. And then the next step is you say, I love you. And then the next step is you are 
exclusive. And then the next step is you get engaged and then you get married and then you have kids and then it like falls off and you die. I don't know. There's like nothing past that. (laughs) And in non-monogamy, we get to create our own escalators or people movers, right? Sometimes it's just a flat thing to help you walk through the airport. Like it's not always this escalation in a relationship. It doesn't have to constantly escalate to be important. You also brought up a good differentiation too, is like a lot of people when they assume, you know, non-monogamy or polyamory also assume there is a primary partner and then there's like other partners, but there's different forms of it. So like you have more than one primary partner. You Mm -hmm. had three recently. Now you're Mm -hmm. two. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people like, especially because you were married when you started opening, automatically assumed like, well, then that's your primary. And then everybody else is like less than. Where you actually are like, no, I actually have three relationships that are of equal, like, importance to me. I don't know if that's phrasing it correctly. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. And what's interesting about that is, like, our culture, uh, naturally, the the norm in our culture is a hierarchy of our romantic and sexual partner is prioritized above everyone else in our life. Right. And for many people, they don't want that. And because we're not taught any of this, they don't know how to communicate that. And what that is typically called is relationship anarchy, meaning that all of the relationships in our lives are equally important. Now, that doesn't mean that you're not going to prioritize one person over another when things happen. That's life, Mm -hmm. right? But like, if you think about my mom and my brother, they are equally important to me. There are going to be times where one of them has to be prioritized over the other because I'm one person. Right. Right. Like situationally. Yes, exactly. So like in context, but I don't actually prioritize one relationship over the other. Makes sense. And also I feel like when you take monogamy out of the relationship, it really makes you look at what does commitment mean to me? And that's actually a question that's like, if you asked me, it's hard for me to answer without saying monogamy. Like that's part of it for me. But if you're like, okay, aside from that, what else? And that's the thing that I think a lot of us don't really think about. It's like, yeah, yep. what else means commitment and is showing that to a person as opposed to just the fact that I'm not sleeping with other people or DMing other people on Instagram, you know? Right. Which is then why cheating feels so terrible is because if if commitment is only about monogamy, if that monogamy thing gets breached, you're like this entire relationship is is over throw the whole thing out yeah yeah but if we have like 10 things that make up what commitment means to us then like a one dm on instagram is like okay let's work through it all these other nine are there but when we're putting all our eggs in that one basket we're gonna feel real disappointed and frankly like everything will just come up and blow up if that's the only thing that we're we're focused on or I feel like this is why a lot of times when you see couples work through cheating, it's often because they have kids. And it's like, that's a reason that's almost higher than monogamy in a way that they're like, well, this is a strong commitment reason of our relationship. And exactly. that's the thing that makes them be like, can we work through this? Can we get past this? And not so quickly write it off. I'm not saying you should do that either way, but I feel totally. like that's a trend I see of like my friends or people I know that have experienced physical cheating. Yeah. is the ones with kids are not so quick to just be like, well, done, I'm out, that's it. Like, Because yeah. there's clearly another 
piece of the commitment of the two of you that you exactly. share together and agree on. Yes. What yes, exactly. It's a great example. Can you tell us more about Rachel? You talked about how you have this cap of, you know, we're, mm-hmm. you're not looking for additional primary partners, but like, how did you, you mentioned that when you and your husband, or I don't know if he was your husband at the time, but when you jumped into non-monogamy that you've just really jumped in, mm-hmm. how did you kind of navigate okay, we would like additional primary partners, but there's the cap here. Like how did, how, how did that come to be? So <laughs> we did not, not intend or want or were looking for additional primary partners. Um, had you said, you know, do you want this and described the life that I have right now, I would have laughed in your face, like spit out <laughs> what was in my mouth and laughed at you and been like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, I, so not what I was looking for at all. Um, this was one of those things of it in monogamy terms. It's like when you're not looking for someone and then that someone comes around and you're like, mm. Oh, look at me. I'm here. I, mm-hmm. okay. Well, I get, I guess I'm here now. That's exactly what this was like. Um, and once that, once that was like clear and then we articulated it, and had the conversation of like, I think I think we're all like non-hierarchical between us now. And like the four of you. Yeah, yeah. And that transition was very, very interesting. Um, because neither me or Kyle or Ashen Yeir came into this like looking for that uh at all. Uh Kyle and I had been out on a few dates with a few couples and like they were not great. I mean, we had a couple fun nights, but like the, nobody that I was like, yeah. And with Ashen Year, we like had a Zoom date and I was like, "The this is, I don't know what to say. Like, I want to talk to them all the time. Like, it, it was just this like, wow. oh, I found, you know how people are like, I found my person. I was like, oh my God, I found more people. Like, <laughs> I found more people. I found my people. How did you, yeah. how did you meet them? Um, so COVID lockdown, uh, like two days into lockdown, uh, I was in a group chat thing for like a sex positive community that I was a part of at the time. And Yair had posted a photo of himself and I was like, I need to write that person. And I don't know what it was. I truly don't know what it was. I was just like drawn to him. And I did. And then we wound up chatting. And then Ashley, his then wife, uh, wrote me. And then we ended up chatting. And then I brought Kyle into the group chat and literally didn't stop talking since then. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Wild. Like truly wild. Yeah. So for our listeners who maybe don't follow you or know, basically for two years now, about two years, it was three, three, three. Uh, how you explained it to me was the relationship was like a Z. Of, yes. You have another couple and you have you and Kyle. So you and Kyle both dated the female, Ashley. Uh-huh. And then you dated Yair. And, uh-huh. and Yair Ashley also and is with Ashley. Right. Yes. Yeah. So you were dating three of the people. Yep. And so was Ashley. But the two yep. men essentially weren't dating each other in that way. Correct. So that makes the little like Z connection. Exactly. Almost everyone's connected directly. Um, yes. So in recent news, you and Kyle 
Well, not you and Kyle. Kyle and everybody, essentially, because yeah. you all live together in a house. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyle now has decided to essentially leave all the relationships. If, am I mm-hmm. correct? Mm-hmm. It so was a group. That... Yeah, it was a group decision. Um, it's, you know, it's really interesting hearing the the pub quote unquote public response um, of like, see non-monogamy this doesn't work and i'm like i'm I'm sorry people break up all the time right and this had nothing to do with our relationship design and had everything to do with kyle needed to uh, needs i don't know why i'm talking about past tense he he needs to find himself and like figure out what he wants in life and we're ready to have kids and like continue to grow and um, he's just not there. And he, n- I love him so much that I want him to be his full self and he can't figure that out and do that here. Um, so he literally just moved out yesterday, um, into oh, an so apartment sorry. in Brooklyn. It's so hard. It's so hard. It's so weird. The, the combination of emotions that have come with this are so strange. Like I have never, first of all, I've never gone through a breakup of an 11 year relationship. So that's new. Um, Going through that breakup while really solidifying my other two primary partnerships and like starting to go to OBGYNs and like planning this like giant life stuff while this is simultaneously happening is such a mind fuck. Um, it's re- it's just, it's so, it's so much. And there are days where like, I really feel good and great and like, yep, this was the best decision. I mean, every day I think it's the right decision. Right. But some days I'm like in bed crying for five hours. And then other days I'm like, I'm so happy for him and he gets da 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 da. And you know, trying to not judge that emotional experience mm-hmm. is real hard. Um, it's It's been a very humbling experience for me to have to witness all of these emotions and let them exist and just be. Uh, but I love him. We all love him. You know, it was, it was a very loving, uh, one may say amicable uh, separation. And yeah, I just will we'll stay in each other's lives. But it did suck going through our wedding storage boxes. Mm. We had to like go through all of our storage and like split things up and like you could take this and then it, you know, and I really, I have a lot, a lot, a lot more empathy for people who go through uh, divorces that are not loving and amicable or have mm-hmm. kids like this has been a supportive, loving experience for everyone involved. I mean, obviously hard for many reasons, but overall with all of this love underneath it. And I cannot imagine being like, no, that's my crock pot. And like, fuck you. You need to leave me this yeah. money. You know, like yeah. I, I, that on top of this would, I, yeah, I can't imagine. Is there something that's comforting about going through this while you also have your other two primary partners who are also going through it because I breakups yeah. can be so isolating. Yeah. It has been 
such a blessing and a gift to have Ashley and Yair with me on this. And, you know, it's different for each of us, right? Like I have 11 years of memories. I've known him for about 12, 12, 12 and a half. Um, That's a really long time. (laughs) And so there are so many stories that like I'll be, we went out to dinner with friends and I was like, oh, I went to that restaurant with Kyle. Like it's there. It's like everything is like, Mm -hmm. and then I'm sitting here with these two people that I'm like madly in love with and, you know, want to spend life with. And it's, it's a unique experience. And I wish this is when I wish that there was more representation around non-monogamy in our culture because like I literally googled non-monogamous what I non-monogamous breakup still primary partners home like I I, like didn't know I was like what (laughs) I don't know what to search for this but I'm feeling feelings and I need support and like everything I read was just like monogamous breakups and like you know your partner going through a breakup and I'm like no one's even writing about what I'm going through. And so this is why I try to speak so publicly and freely about what is going on is because I, I, I want someone else to be able to Google and like find something because I, I wanted that. And I think it's so, so, so important. But that was a very long-winded way to say it's been incredibly supportive and um, I don't know what I would be doing without them. I, I really don't. Right. And I remember a long time ago, you said when you started this relationship with Yair and Ashley, it was stated like if any single couple within all the couples wanted to end, it does not mean all the other relationships have to end. Yes. And I know this like also, I think, brings up a little bit of fear in some people that are thinking about non-monogamy because it's like if you pitched it to someone and said, "Okay, your primary partner you're with say you open your relationship, but you're guaranteed like that person's not going to quote, leave you for mm-hmm. another person. And so mm-hmm. your situation is also unique of that's not what happened. And mm-hmm. that's usually people's number one fear of opening their relationship is like, well, what if they meet someone and they love them more than me and then they don't want to be with me at all anymore. So like yep. yours is a different situation, but, but what would you say to people that that's like their main fear and hurdle into entering non-monogamy? I would say that I see that happen more as a therapist in monogamous relationships than I do in non-monogamy. Because in non-monogamy, it's all about the and, right? You get, get, you have your, this and this and this and this and whatever you want and agree to. And in monogamy, it's like, it's me or her. And so it's far more common in monogamous relationships to be like, I am leaving you for my coworker that I have fallen in love with. In non-monogamy, it's like, hey, um, I have a crush on my coworker. Can we talk about how you would feel about me going out with them? Mm-hmm. And that that switch in thinking is so powerful. Um, non-monogamy is all about the ands. And in, in my worst moments, in my clients' hardest moments, we forget that. And it's like, oh, my God they're going to like their blowjobs better than mine. They're going to enjoy that person skis. I can't ski. Like they're (laughs) going to want to leave and I'm going to be at home alone for the weekend. And like, we forget that there's this and, and we, we, we can 
everything can exist at once. Everything can exist at once. And that is a concept that is very hard for us humans to understand because we're not taught it. In in therapy, there's um, dialectical behavioral therapy, DBT, is all about the idea that two things can coexist at one time that don't necessarily go together. So being happy and sad, um, feeling scared and excited. These, these things can coexist. And we typically use the word or or but. And if you can replace or or but with and, it really changes how you see things, whether you're monogamous or non-monogamous. That's a great swap. The, the and but swap is something that I've been working on actually in my full-time job, specifically when delivering feedback yeah, or when providing an alternate opinion. Yes. It's yes. really helpful. It's so powerful how differently our brain sees those two words. When we hear but, we immediately discount everything that came before it. Mm-hmm. Like, so if I'm telling you, wow, this, this podcast interview was so much fun, but like, I really, I'm really hungry. Yeah. And then I said, this podcast interview was really fun and I'm so hungry. Those literally sound like different sentiments. Right. And now like, because in the and one, there are two completely different thoughts. You being hungry has nothing to do with the podcast being fun. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then the other one, you're like, was she hungry the whole time? Did she not enjoy it because she was hungry? Do you think that's what she was thinking the whole time? You know? Exactly. Exactly. Well, this is like just making me think of I've had a few friends have relationships that didn't work out. However, there was no cheating because it was brought up of this, hey, there is someone I'm somewhat interested in. How do you feel about non-monogamy? And so the person that also was experiencing feelings for someone else didn't feel they had to choose. They're like, this is an option. Could we navigate that together? And some have, and it's worked out. And then others were like, that's not for me. And regardless of the phrasing, it's like, yeah, you just, you have to figure out what, what is, what are you open to and what are you okay with? Because like we said, neither way is wrong. Exactly. Like I've, I think I'm a monogamous person forever and ever and ever. However, I haven't been married for 10 years. So it's like, I don't know what that's like. I don't know what that's like to be with one person 10 years. That it's like, wow, yeah. watch me at year 10 suddenly be like, I don't know. Do you think you'd want Not to monogamy. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. I don't, like, I don't think so. But I'm also like, I don't know what that's like. I don't right. know what that's like to be in that long relationship. Right. A couple, one of the questions that came up a bunch was, what advice do you have for people who might be considering non-monogamy in terms of how they talk to their current partner about it? Oh man, that's, that's, do we have an hour? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, Or is it easier to say no partner? You have no partner currently? That could work too. Um, I highly, highly, highly recommend educating yourself first. Um, Unfortunately, because of all the things we talked about before, we don't learn about this stuff. And the majority of people are not going to get their master's degree in clinical psychology learning about it in a relationships class. So- I, to feel confident in bringing it to your partner or to feel confident in bringing it on as an identity to share with someone that you're potentially going to date, regardless of the the situation, you got to know what your fuck you're saying. 
right? And like, right. nothing feels worse than saying like, I think I want to try this. And they're like, well, what is that? And you're like, I don't know. Like, don't know. It, it, yeah. <laughs> like I have no idea. And they're like, cool. I feel so safe. This is great. You and, have no idea what you want? Great. <laughs> right. Like all you're saying is you want to like go have sex with other people? Oh, no. You know, like it's, it doesn't. <laughs> It doesn't really sound wonderful in that way. So I recommend like read some books. If you don't like reading, I have workshops. Like they're literally called non-monogamy 101. Like they're like, this is what it is. This is how to talk to your partner. These are the misconceptions. These are the pitfalls. Like all of these things. Um, Join a community online that talks about non-monogamy. Follow non-monogamous Instagram accounts. Like just start to kind of get understand the vernacular, understand the concepts, listen to podcast episodes about it. Like do a search on your podcast platform and type in non-monogamy or polyamory or swinging or whatever term resonates with what you think you're wanting. Um, Google articles, like so many articles about this. And then you can really sit down and ask your partner if you're partnered, like, hey, I want to talk to you about some relationship stuff. When is a good time? And allow your partner to then say, uh, what is it about? And you can say, well, I've been doing some research around um, non-monogamy. I've been doing some research around polyamory. Or I listened to a podcast about non-monogamy. And I wanted to talk to you about what some of my takeaways were. And like also hear your thoughts. And then allow your partner to be like, okay, I can do that like Monday at 5 o'clock. And then go into that container and bring that knowledge that you learned. Or ask them to listen to this with you. Ask them to watch a workshop with you with no expectation of action, right? Like, I just want to learn with you. I want to learn so that if we do choose to remain monogamous, that we are making an informed choice. Mm. That we know the other choices and we're saying, I want this. Versus just thinking that like a diner just serves grilled cheese and you like get grilled cheese all the time. And you're like, this diner has a menu that's like a book. What do they, they also have burgers. <laughs> and then you're like, you've been hiding the burgers. Like you don't want that. So like know what is on the menu and choose, choose together and have these conversations. Uh, I think that that's my biggest piece of advice is like create a container. Don't do not, please do not come up to your partner while they are doing something else and be like, hey, so non-monogamy, I like really think that maybe I want to do this. What do you think? Mm. And they're like, I'm emptying the dishwasher is what I think. (laughs) (laughs) Like none of us like to be taken off guard like that. So ask for a time to talk and you can still give the like general you know, topic of conversation uh, without getting into it. And they may say like right now and you're like, okay, cool. Let's go sit down on the couch. Uh, But at least they're then consenting to the conversation. Don't. Right. Yeah. Don't toss it on someone without consent. Yeah. It's often something like when people want to get into it, I feel like they ask specifics like, well, should we, you know, always tell each other when we're with someone else? And it's all that stuff is like, that's decided amongst you kind of the same way that, you know, monogamous relationships have whatever decisions they make together. Yep. So that's yep. the part I feel like sometimes people like to, they just want an answer of like, but what, what rules should we do and what agreements should we do? And it's like, that's to each their own on that one. Yep. 
And if you want to work, I have so many clients that I work with that want to open up their relationship. And so they find me online and they're like, oh, she does this. And I literally will work with people through that process and we'll Mm -hmm. use that container to make agreements, to figure out what agreements are important. And often at the beginning, you know, similar to boundaries, sometimes we don't figure out what they are until they're crossed. Yeah. And so some that's yeah. the same thing with agreements is like sometimes something will happen and you're like, I hated that. I mm-hmm. we need to make an agreement about this. Yeah. I want to punch something and vomit like I don't want this ever. Can we please talk about it? And there's no blame, right? Because nobody did anything wrong. They didn't break an agreement. But it's like that's how we figure out sometimes what our agreements need to be in the same way that we can be like, oh, that didn't feel good. I need to set a boundary about participating in conversations if a person is talking to me that way. Yeah. Or something like upsets you in general in a relationship that has nothing to do with, you know, cheating whatsoever. Exactly. And you're yeah. just like, oh, this this needs a conversation. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh- I mean, we could. I feel like we could talk about this for hours and hours. We might have to have you back on, and, and I would love keep to come chatting. back. Yeah, I always love talking uh, to Rachel. She's great. Yeah, this is amazing. Too. I've learned a ton, so I'm sure. I'm sure our listeners uh, will feel the same. I'm so, so, where glad. can everybody uh, find you? And also, your podcast is the right conversations. People want more information on monogamy. Yeah, I talk all about sex relationships and mental health. Those are kind of like my my three jams. Um, and I also do a lot of AMA is on Instagram. So if you listen to this and you're like, oh my God, I have questions. I do them all the time. Um, so give me, hang out over there. It's my handle is the right underscore Rachel. Uh, I am constantly shadow banned. So if you type in Rachel, Wright, It won't come up. You literally have to type in the right underscore Rachel uh, and then you'll find me. Yeah. I noticed that the other day I was looking you up and I was like, where the hell is Rachel? And I found your backup account and I was like, oh shit, don't tell me she got banned. (laughs) I know it's terrible because I post about sex. How dare you? I know. I know. know, Right. How dare you, Rachel? (sighs) It's so annoying. So yeah, type that in. Come say hi. Um, I'm super. I try to get to all my DMs like Come hang out. And my yeah. website is uh, rachelwrightnyc.com. And right is W-R-I-G-H-T. For everybody, and we have the uh, links in the description too. So you can just scroll yeah. on down, click those. Thank you again so much for coming on, Rachel. This is so awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having Thanks, me. Thanks, Rachel. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Right, see you all next week. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. 
New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C.